here on the Winkly. I am your host, the managing editor of Wrestling Inc. Nick Houseman joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkly. Thank you, Nick. You seem like you're in an excellent mood today. I am in the best mood <laughs> right now. I'm not even going to lie. I had a great weekend. I'm starting the week with good news. I got big plans. We got a lot of big things popping. L- little things popping. No, big, big, little things dropping. Big things popping. That's the Booker T line. I finally got there. There you go. <laughs> worked, worked your way through that one. Well, that's, that's exciting to hear. We are at All Out Week, which is, you, you know, I, I feel like this is an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, but also I feel like this week is a little bit, it's like that there's a little bit of a breather happening right now before the storm. Don't you feel like? I, I feel like that's the case. And you know what? I think that you're on to something here because before we get to the news and what's going on in the show today, we have multiple congratulations going on because three mm. wrestling couples well, two and allegedly a third got married here in the past five days. So we'll start here by saying during this little reprieve here, this moment to take a breath, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, they got married. Congratulations to them. That's huge. First yeah, couple- man, dude. Fantastic. Oh. Woo. Are they the first couple of wrestling? The first couple of wrestling. No, that's um, will always be Macho Man and Elizabeth. So. Okay, there you go. Maybe Hunter and Steph at the moment. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Congratulations also goes out to Sean Spears and Peyton Royce. A WWE, AEW, Romeo and Juliet, Starcross lovers finally tying the knot. Congratulations. WWE congratulated them. I was a little surprised by that. Man, weddings just bring everybody together, even companies that are at war on Wednesday nights. Yeah. So it works. Yeah, there we go. Also, and this is the alleged one, Finn Balor and his girlfriend Veronica Rodriguez appear to have been wed. They shared or he shared a photo kind of in the in the jungle where he, she's wearing a wedding dress and he's in a in a suit and there looks to be a priest. So, I mean, I think they got married. Unless <laughs> this is they... the most Finn Balor wedding to ever happen, isn't it? Uh, unless they went through all the trouble of, like, setting this shot up just to, like, work the internet, which, you know, Finn loves to work the internet. So uh, That's true. We'll say ha- two and a half congratulations here to start the show. No, no real negative news. Nobody passed away. Nobody went to jail. Nothing like that in the past five days. Wonderful. Positive. And weddings are joyous occasions, and, you know, it's a summer wedding, and it's late summer, and people are kind of enjoying the last few remnants of hot days and before fall sets in, so kind of feels good. It's uh, nice. Oh, shucky-ducky, quack-quack, Michael Weissman. <laughs> All right, we got a big show here today. Uh, now, uh, the first interview, the first guest, we're gonna, we have two guests here today, right after the news. Uh, we're going to start the week here talking to one of my new favorite people in all of pro wrestling, Lillian Garcia, the host of Chasing Glory. She had the O.C., on her show yesterday, AJ Styles in the club. I, I started my day, my, my week yesterday by listening to that episode. What an incredible episode here with, with AJ and, and the club opening up about, you know, how frustrated Luke and, and uh, Carl were when AJ Styles was on top, right? Mm. They're, they're like, our friend is the world champion and we're not even playing main event, right? And mm-hmm. how they, they couldn't even travel together because they were so unhappy. They don't want to bring AJ down fascinating i've not i've not heard this show but yet it seems like it's a real a real eye-opener and also just where they are right now kind of being back on top interesting to see them open up so much about some of the negativity because sometimes talent you know maybe don't talk about it as much when they are kind of back into a good place in wwe so we talked to uh, we talked to lillian i'll talk to lillian here a little bit about that uh you know what what makes her show different why she got into it and uh, also uh if you listen to the show you like this interview with lillian uh lillian has another interview dropping today on another podcast uh, you may have heard uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin show. She's on Steve Austin show today. So she's there and here. We're we're the we're the ones she graced with her presence today. 
That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen Steve Austin's new uh, post Monday Night Raw show? I tried to watch it. It's just it's not my it's not really my thing. I don't know what it is. I think it, I think it's trying to be too many things. I don't know. Have you watched it? I, you, you yeah, like? yeah. It, it it feels like if you like Stone Cold and you just want to spend time with Stone Cold, it's the spend time with Stone Cold Steve Austin hour. But it feels like somebody saw or listened to his podcast and said, "How can we turn this into a TV show?" Sure. And so they literally just have him having conversations with people and going around doing things while they do it. So it's 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 fluff TV, but. I love Austin, so. There you go. All right. Well, if you love Steve Austin, you love that. But again, it's like I, I got I've, I've been watching a lot of Wife Swap recently. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance. Uh, you know, so my tastes right now are, are like that and then wrestling. So trash television, uh, you know, not yeah. fluff. I need it to be. I need to, to have some more emotional soap opera elements to it. I was so let down by 90 Day Fiance. Let me just say this before getting to wrestling. Okay. Because I turned it on, right, thinking that it's going to be like a new episode each week of like new people right like oh this week is gonna be this person who got married no it's like an ongoing storyline oh it's dude. like the same they follow the same couples around yeah no dude that's the beauty of it is watching get invested in this i don't have time for that oh, we watch it every sunday and i really don't want to, and if, for those that don't know what 90 day fiance is the the gimmick here is that there are people here in the states that are looking for love and so they go online and they find people from other countries sometimes uh less economically developed countries and those people then come to this after a, a brief process of going back and forth and you got to go visit them in their country. Then that person comes to the States. And uh, if you get married with them, then they get a green card. So this is I don't want to say mail order bride show, but that's the the short and the long of it. You know, it's like the inverse of that. Is this is it legit, Nick? Is this a real is this reality? <laughs> Dude, this is a real thing. Uh, now, of course, it's a reality show, but the, the gimmick is real. I mean, it's a real thing. Anyway, we I don't I don't know that we should go down this path. We got a lot of news Speaking to get to. Speaking of reality wrestling, <laughs> we got to right? get back to the show. All right. Uh, we also after Lillian Garcia here later in the show, uh, we're going to get an interview. Our good friend Andy Malnoski went out to the Gathering Convention in Charlotte, not the Gathering of the Juggalos, different Gathering. Uh, he got an interview with our good friend Rhino. So you're going to get Lillian Garcia, Lillian Garcia, and Rhino here today. And if you like Andy's interview and you want to see the video version of it, uh, you can go over to the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. Andy's uh, interview will be available there in video form as well. And last but not least, before we get to the news, uh, we will be on site this weekend at StarCast at All Out. You're coming in. Uh, you're coming in Friday to start the coverage, right, Michael? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Friday morning, bright and early. Friday morning, Michael Weissman will be here. Uh, he's going to be going out on the floor. You're going to be getting interviews. We're going to be doing mm -hmm. coverage for the, the socials. I'm going to go Thursday to the press conference, so I'll, I'll cover that one. And then Friday night, this is official now. Conrad Thompson retweeted it just, just moments before he went live here. I'm going to be hosting the StarCast Improv Show Friday, mm -hmm. 10 p.m., late night show. Now, this, if you listen last week, you know, this, this show has gone through so many iterations. Right. So now now what it is, is I will be hosting this this show that is a combination of whose line is it anyway in pro wrestling. We will have special guests. You can maybe even get on stage. We have six incredible improvisers that are going to be there to make sure everybody looks like rock stars. Uh, our good friends, Cassio Kid and Kevin Kellum, they're going to do a little bit of stand up there as an informal intermission when the uh, improvisers take a little break. We're going to close the show down with our good friend, Ross Berman, singing a folk song about the legend of Tom McGee. Um, and he'll probably play uh, another folk song as well. He's fantastic. And uh, last but not least, my good friend John Sterk is going to be tickling the ivories and doing improv keyboard for the whole show. So we'll have musical improv games. And uh, and I don't I, I, I didn't book him for this, 
But John Sterk is also like the president of the Chicago Magic Association. He's the head magician of the Chicago Magic Lounge. He's basically just one of the best magicians in the entire country. So if you if you know that and you go over to John, you say, do a magic trick for me, he'll probably make something disappear right in front of you. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's exciting. That's all going down Friday, 10 p.m. at Starcast. It's like everything I do. It's way too much, Michael. It's way, it's way, it's way, way too many things. All right, with that, let's get to it here. we got way too many things in our news block. Here's some news you can use, news that will leave a bruise. John Moxley is out of All Out this Saturday night. His match against Kenny Omega off the books, and this is due to an MR, a MRSA staph infection in his elbow. Uh, Pac has been announced as Moxley's replacement to take on Omega. Uh, the Observer reporting Pac is expected to go right back to Dragon's Gate after his match with Omega. Uh, Moxley has noted that he should be 100% when AEW begins its shows on TNT. The Observer noting the recovery time here uh, looks to be about four weeks, so that's in line with what Mox said. Um, very unfortunate here for for this show. This was one of like their 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 top bouts here going into All Out. I mean, let me let me brace myself for the the hate mail I'm going to receive as a follow up to my next statement here. But how can this be seen as anything other than a huge disappointment? Nothing against Pac. A great talent, right? A fantastic talent. But number one, this obviously feels like a stop on his way back to Dragon Gate. Let's just get him in here to make up for that missed appearance a couple of months ago. But number two, to your point, Nick, Moxley and Omega was, I would argue, yes, Jericho and Hangman Page for the title is the main event because it is for the championship. But the Moxley-Omega feud has been what's been kind of carrying the undercurrent of this promotion since it was announced and since we had Double or Nothing back in May. So I cannot see this as anything less. These are two huge main eventers, a WWE guy, a New Japan guy going at it in AEW, right? This felt like the top of the mountain for this show. And to lose this match, I think you're losing a huge anchor here on what will otherwise still be a great show. But this is a huge draw for many outside of AEW fans. Um, yes, uh, I, I hear all that. Here's how I'll say this could be a benefit here, though. Um, you know, with injury become comes opportunity, right? I think Pac Omega, this is a dream match, right? This will be great. It'll be awesome. I don't even know that I would necessarily even rule out Moxley coming out to cost Omega this match in some way or some form. Um, so I, I think that this, you know, again, like you, you said that the page Jericho, the real main event has not changed. Uh, I think that this is an event that the fans kind of uh, get buy into for the experience of being a part of basically what is AEW's WrestleMania has become like their biggest tentpole event. And um, I think that this leaves the door open for Moxie and Omega to be on the uh, debut episode of AEW on TNT, give that show uh, a monster main event, a big draw, especially in a week where they're going to need it because they're going to obviously have uh, NXT's competition with two weeks lead in. Yeah. Yes, I agree with all of that. Right. But and you're right. I mean, maybe I'm downplaying Pac's influence here because, again, Pac is so great. And, and I think to some people, Pac Omega is a dream match. I think to the kind of fan, though, that Moxley is drawing in, it is not a dream match. I don't think it's going to take anything away because it does save Moxley for that debut show on TNT and for that AEW run. But I, I just feel like this show. So let's talk about this then in this context here. What else? This show has Hangman Page and Omega. I mean, Hangman Page and Jericho. What's the other big draw here on this card that you think will draw in fans who are more casually oriented pro wrestling fans? Um, I, I mean, again, it's like I think this is an event that sells itself, right? Okay. I, I think that I think that Jericho. I think people see Jericho. I think you know people know about the Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers tag. But but again, it's like. This is a show that's more about the experience, and I think that this is going to be such a big crowd that just wants to see this entity succeed, whatever they're going to be getting. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think All In had some uh, some last-minute changes or whatever. It's been a year 
Um, and I think people were, yeah, because Pac got pulled, right? They were going to do Pac. Right. They were going to do Pac Page. Was that at All In last year? They were supposed to do it. Uh, I, I wanted to say double or nothing, but it might have been All In that he went back I, on that. For. I think it was All In because Pac showed up at the double or nothing press when they went for the the press conference outside Jacksonville, right? And oh, that's right. Yeah. So that had yeah. so that had to be it, right? Like Pac got how ironic here. Pac got pulled from All In last year, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, Pac Page, that was the draw, that was the match, right?" And then everybody watched All In, and they were like, "That was one of the greatest pay per views I've ever watched, right?" So it's it's hilarious, me or ironic, I guess, to me that Pac is coming here to save the day this time around and, and fill in the role. I mean, maybe this is karma, how it works, just good business, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I I don't I don't see this as anything other than saving a big bout uh, for their debut on TV, which I think. All things considered, considering the ride and the momentum they're on right now, this may not be a bad thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And you, you know, I, I, I'm picking nits when I say all of this, right? But in my, there's just a part of me that's like, you gotta rate. You're raising the stakes every step of the way. And so, what might have been a big deal a year ago is not quite as big of a deal right now. And also, let's not lose sight of the fact that again, Pac is going back to Dragon Gate USA. He's not an AEW guy, and I honestly think this means that. Omega is going to go over here because wins and losses matter. And so I think all that takes away. Now, it is a, going to be a fantastic match. This is a card full of fantastic matches. And I, I guarantee you the VPs of that company and Tony Khan himself are all working together around the clock to make sure that fans do not feel disappointed by anything. So I don't think it's going to lose that nature of being special and feeling important. But Moxley wrestling here. Uh, was a really big deal, and I think it does it does lose a little bit here. And, and but but Moxie's still going to be around. This is going to be a quick injury, you know, burst of staff infection. Nothing to mess around with here, y'all. So I totally respect them wanting to pull him out of this and get him right for AEW on TNT. So there's more to come there. Looking forward to that. So at the end of this too, I hope Moxley does heal up and and gets back to tip top shape after oh, all this. I wonder if uh, I, and I don't know if it cause it go at least the finish happens right towards the end of the bout or right after the bout. But I wonder if we do get the Mox like promo video challenging Omega to like the AEW debut night on TNT or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. You got to have a follow. I think you got to follow up on this pretty soon because they've built up this feud so much. And while those, you know, I think the AEW on TNT has some pretty, pretty heavy anchor matches there. This match going out to headline that against NXT on October 2nd would be huge. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, another scare here for AEW in the past five days, the observer reporting, uh, that Phoenix uh, looked like he could have sprained his ankle at big time wrestling over the weekend. Didn't look like it was a break. He did collapse in the ring uh, during a match. Um, he called for help. It was taken to the back. But uh, after uh, the smoke cleared here, Phoenix was back in action the next day for big time wrestling. So just wanted to point that out because there was a brief moment in time there where AAW was like, oh, my God, everybody were cursed. <laughs> Vince is at it again. Wow. Oh, wrestling is dangerous, y'all. I mean, listen, these guys go out there every single night or however many times a week and they risk their bodies, life and limb. You know, that seems dramatic, but the slightest thing goes wrong and these guys can very easily get seriously injured. These guys are very safe, right? They protect themselves very well. But even something like this, Phoenix, you know, spraining his leg or ankle could have been a break, was very close to being a break. I'm surprised that he was back in action. Right. So quickly thereafter, you know, I, I think about if I sprain my leg, I don't even have an intense job and I'd call in call in sick. Right. But no, he's back out there risking life and limb again the next day. So, um, you know, these guys are professionals. They take care of each other. Wrestling is a dangerous sport. Uh, well, good news for AEW. They have confirmed uh, a multi-year contract for Tony Schiavone. Uh, he has joined their broadcast team. Now, uh, I saw Satin tweeted out that he had uh, been poking around. Doesn't sound like Schiavone. 
uh, is going to be a part of the initial AEW on TNT broadcast team. I think he's just going to be part of the general broadcast team, maybe more of the whatever global uh, AEW global uh, type packages where he stands in front of the old school uh, multi-screen type deal and talks about whatever the upcoming pay-per-view is. Uh, but Tony's in. Tony's with AEW. Man, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross at the desk. What a what a time. Man, it's like it's 1993. What is it? What what year are we back in, Nick? I don't know, man. I feel very <laughs> it's old. It's the though. 90s. I feel very old. Uh, uh, that's great, though. Tony Schiavone is a huge talent, and and you know he kind of got overlooked as professional wrestling kind of went from out of the Attitude Era and into the Reality Era and into whatever was in between and whatever else. So I'm glad AEW picked him up. This is very telling again here. What they're doing here in AEW is building a very WCW-esque roster. And I don't mean late WCW. I mean, they're going back to early WCW yeah. and trying to kind of build on that foundation of what made all of that work. Tony Schiavone was a big part of that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, well, uh, uh, lastly here in the world of AEW, the Observer reporting that neither Pittsburgh or Charleston AEW on TNT event has sold out. I believe these would be their fourth and fifth episodes. Now, Pittsburgh has sold about 4,000 tickets. Charleston, a little over three. Um, this is currently, the from what Meltzer's saying, this is what they were projecting these ticket sales to look like here, with the idea that the first few shows, obviously a lot of hype. If those do well, ticket sales will pick back up, and then, boom, we're off into the races, which, I, you know, sounds about right to me. Um, do you, what, do you make of, uh, what do you make of the ticket sales? Anything, any opinions here? It's tough to sell. I mean, you're you're asking, you know, not a lot of money, but I don't make anything about it. I think it's right on par, and I think what they're doing is – they're challenging themselves to a certain extent here, right? Because they've been doing these big shows in places where they are likely to sell out. Chicago, you're going to Las Vegas, all those kinds of things, right? But they're picking strategic places that allow them to broaden out what their product is. You talk about Washington, D.C., interesting place, um, Pittsburgh, Charleston. Wrestling, you know, you, you've done wrestling shows there, but they're not like the hotbed that a city like Chicago or L.A. is or New York or whatever, right? But then you talk about they're coming back to Charlotte, in November, they're kind of hitting up some of those old wrestling territories, places that used to be hot and maybe have died down since WWE has become more of a West Coast kind of promotion, right? Northern, go up to New York, go out to the West Coast, go to these big cities. They're kind of hitting those back roads up a little bit. Places you've seen Ring of Honor run, places you've seen Impact Wrestling, when they'd go out on the road, they've run in places like this. So I, I think it's a smart strategy. If you're not worried about selling out, if you can afford to kind of let those ticket sales do what they do and wait for the hype to come from your TV debut, I think they're going to be just fine. And I think it's a, a really smart strategy. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move over to the world of WWE here, or the universe of WWE. Uh, we got some news coming out of Raw last night. Braun Strowman challenged Seth Rollins to a universal title match. Uh, this is the first time I think I've ever seen a challenge happen, mostly in glances. Uh, very, very sly here challenge from, from Braun to, uh, Ro or to Seth Rollins. Now, uh, according to PW Insider, uh, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, not at Raw. They were off on their honey like mini honeymoon vacation, whatever you want to call it here. Um, but uh, Rollins uh, and, and Strowman filmed this last week, and then they then they played it on the show. So there you go, your main event. And on top of that, the two will also be defending their WWE Raw Tag Team titles against the winners of a Tag Team Turmoil match last night. The newly formed, what I'm calling Zagood. Is that good? <laughs> no, it's terrible. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to cr to rain on your 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 positive positive twos. That's excellent, Nick. I would encourage you to take another stab at it. Zigzagood. Multiple options here. Somebody said Zigzagood, which is a Pokemon reference, and I was like, oh, that's a little bit better. More Zig, less Zag. But Zigood 
is what I'm say good. Say good. Oh, if you say it differently, it's kind of like a French compliment. Say <laughs> good. Uh, but, but you're overthinking it. WWE is going to default to something very basic. It's going to be like, um, uh, let's see here, show glorious. Glorious show. That's what they're going to name them. Glorious show. Glory show. That yeah. sounds really dirty. I don't know. Glorious. Why. Glorious show. Uh, gl- what about Gloroff? Anyway, um, <laughs> it's, like a bad, it's like a bad TNA wrestling pay-per-view title from back in the day. All right. Well, anyway, all we're talking about right now is what to name this tag team. We have these two matches here. <laughs> Rollins, Strowman, uh, what, what do you make of this feud here? What do you think goes down at the clash with these two bouts? Well, it seemed like last night they were throwing down, you know, hey, Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins are going to challenge. They're going to go on first, right? Ziggler said, we're the main event. They're going to go on first. I think that's a weird way to book the show, but okay, do it. So you, what you have is Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, Universal title match earlier in the night, and then the main event, Ziggler and Rude versus Strowman and Rollins, and they've had this animosity built up, and that match just goes to crap, and Ziggler and Rude walk out with the tag team championships. Yikes. Weird. Okay. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll buy it. I gotta think on it. I'm still thinking about what to name them, so I'm <laughs> off in another place right now. Uh, King of the Ring updates here. Baron Corbin defeated The Miz. Uh, he's going to the quarterfinals to take on Cedric Alexander next week. Ricochet, uh, in a bit of a surprise here, defeated Drew McIntyre. He's going to take on Samoa Joe in the quarterfinals next week. I say a bit of a surprise because a lot of people, when they saw this, were like, oh, Drew McIntyre, that's the guy. He fits the Wade Barrett in the Sheamus mold. He's a large European man, but uh, no. <laughs> like, like, God. Right? Uh, oh. Anyway, I mean, just, just pointing out the, the trend. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Corbin ahead, Ricochet ahead. Uh, on the Raw side of things, what do you think the final two come down to? You know, I made this call. You know, they, they, they've used Drew McIntyre in a very similar way over the past few weeks, and they actually alluded to it on TV with Cedric Alexander, um, with Ricochet last night losing in these ways. So I hate to see McIntyre lose again because I think he should be a monster on top of the entire company, and I would love to see him win this tournament, right? But if you think about what you've heard about the rumors, Paul Heyman liked Ricochet. Paul Heyman liked Cedric Alexander. Um, Cedric Alexander looked great last night. Um, Ricochet looked really good last night. Baron Corbin, they are playing him up to be this just guy you want to hate and strangle. So uh, my, my guy is The Miz. But all this booking makes sense if you're moving strategically these pieces around to make Alexander look better and to eventually get to Corbin being the, the King of the Ring winner we all love to hate. Corbin looked pretty comfortable in that throne, didn't he? Oh, he looked like um, one of the, he like a Shakespearean villain, didn't he? I, you know, it's so funny you said that because Liz was sitting on the couch doing other things and I'm watching Raw and I go, Liz, how can you not tell me Vince McMahon is not the modern Shakespeare? Look at this. <laughs> this man is literally dressed as a king on a throne reciting monologues. That is as close to Shakespeare as you will find on television right now. <laughs> And Vince McMahon brought it to professional wrestling. There you go. There's theater, High art, baby. There's theater in the round. There's the crowds, the, the groundlings. Anyway, I could, I, I could go on. Uh, it reminds me of that time Tony Khan, you know, the South Park episode where they make pro wrestling uh, a theater. And then Tony Khan literally used that as inspiration for the, the setup that they used for, um, what was the show back in July? Uh, fight, fight, fight for the fight Fallen. Fight for the Fallen. The stage and setup for that was inspired by the South Park episode where they made pro wrestling. Yeah. A theater. That's so, yeah. Full circle, baby. Life is full circle. Yeah. I should take Tony out to a show and go watch Macbeth or something like that. You know? <laughs> really geek yep. out. All right. Anyway, uh, Sasha Banks uh, started off last night's Raw. Uh, she confirmed what I guess was the crying episode from the hotel after WrestleMania. Uh, took a shot at Natalia's dad. And uh, and we, we're off into the races here. Uh, new Sasha Banks. Heal Sasha Banks. This is a good different coat of paint, I think, for her. 
Yeah, I think, you know, her opening promo, not quite as strong. It was fine. Yeah. It felt like a lot of those lines were scripted for her. Agreed. That's what I would take from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fine. She did a fine job with it. Not as strong as I would like to have seen, but when you see her in the ring and you see the way that she is beating up somebody like Natalia, it's a totally different story, and Sasha is great in the heel role when you let her be. Uh, and last but not least, coming out of Raw, uh, it's been announced that Rey Mysterio is going to come uh, back to Raw next week. Uh, this is after uh, he was talked out of retirement on last week's Raw, or by or two weeks ago, by his son Dominic, um, who who's like, Dad, I, I'm not going to let you go. I haven't I haven't debuted yet. You know, we got to have that tag match, me and you, Dad. He's gonna he's gonna murder his father at some point, right? Uh, that's right. We're we're heading towards uh yeah. Somebody's gonna be on a it's gonna be a ladder match. It's gonna be bad. So, you know, I, I'm glad the WWE following up on storylines and not just letting them linger and telling us yeah we are gonna resolve this next week. That's smart booking and, and less fans need to tune back in next week. So more to see there. I am glad though, Rey Mysterio. I'm sure this is important to him. Get a storyline with his son. Um, should 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 be good for both of them. Um, uh, let's get to, uh, NXT USA. We got a up- couple updates here of the past five days regarding that. Uh, the Observer reporting that it is believed that NXT stars will receive new contracts with a pay increase closer to what other main roster superstars are making. Wonderful. That seems right. That's good. Right? Well, if you're going to be on TV for two hours every week, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> if your product is making the company a lot more money, you should be able to share those profits. So. If you are being treated like a main roster star now and you will be competing possibly with other main roster stars, I think that makes you the main roster. We're not quite sure. Wonderful. Uh, Well, NXE will apparently also continue on its current path with Triple H in charge, not Kevin Dunn or Vince McMahon. Uh, Well, the preface here is that Vince is likely likely to not interfere. That is, of course, unless NXT starts to lose the quote-unquote Wednesday Night War. Uh, Ideas like leaving Full Sail are out there, playing bigger uh, venues. Uh, there's also still the idea out there of uh, superstars from Raw and SmackDown coming over for surprise appearances. So this is, uh, you know, we'll we'll roll the dice here. Do you think that AEW on TNT will outdraw NXT on USA? I don't think so. I think that it will be more competitive than what people like, and I think it will be more competitive, or more more competitive than what people inside WWE will like, I should say. <laughs> and I think that Vince McMahon is likely to get impatient and interfere quicker than what we anticipate. Okay. Uh, hmm. I'm fascinated. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I go back and forth. I, I don't know what I've said in previous weeks, but there are times I'm like, AEW's going to make a splash, but NXT's getting out ahead of it. Uh, that debut episode might be pretty close, but I still think NXT, with the promotional power of WWE, the brand, and USA, I think they're going to just be ahead for a while. I wonder, I wonder, do we get Riddle Lesnar on like the NXT the first week of October? Is that where we finally <laughs> get it? Just go we're, we're getting something October 2nd. Yeah. NXT is going all out. Matt Riddle <laughs> versus Brock Lesnar. We joke about all this, but you know, you know what I will say is promotion matters. And I go to the gym every morning and, and they have Fox Sports on or whatever it is showing their little you know ESPN light version of their shows and or sports center light. And I see promotions for WWE on Fox every morning. And it's really actually done. It makes me want to watch that product. It seems like a sports show. It seems exciting. And I'm like, if I were a casual fan who had kind of lapsed from WWE, this kind of promotion would make me tune back in. So these kind of partnerships matter. I know TNT is doing their due diligence here, but there's a lot of competition in the waters with Fox and USA right now. Well, uh, WWE definitely trying to catch casual fans here uh, via the 24-7 championship. Uh, Interesting exchanges over the weekend. The title flipped hands a couple times here. R-Truth captured the title from Elias at Fox Sports Founders Day. Uh, then Truth 
skedaddled and somehow found his way into the Fox Sports studio. <laughs> um, Truth then, after tripping, was pinned by Fox Sports's Rob Stone, now a former WWE world champ or former WWE champion, not world champion, former WWE champion, because he was then quickly pinned by Elias, who had also stumbled into the studio, recaptured the title, and took off. So, three title changes. Rob Stone, he's held the title. I mean, but that, you know what? If you're going to do this, do it. Go all out. I thought this was great. If you're watching this, and you're like, oh, WWE, and you see a title change? Like, sure, yeah, that piqued my interest. W- whatever. It's ridiculous. It is. It's, it's drawing in some people who might not otherwise be watching the shows, who might catch this kind of event or catch this kind of YouTube segment or Instagram story or whatever it is, and maybe they're tuned back in, right? They've done less with the 24-7 championship on weekly TV. So that's not, I wouldn't say concerning, but it does feel like they've run out of some of those ideas, but using it in this way also gets stars like Elias and our truth gives them something to do when they're not being used in other storylines. So I dig it, man. It's fun. Okay. Here's my idea. Cause I got to wonder, cause I, I saw this and I got, I started wondering how many like celebrities and also like quote unquote celebrities have reached out to WWE with their own pitches about how they could win this title. Right. Um, and my favorite that came to mind has to be Macaulay Culkin. Where, uh, <laughs> like, Macaulay Culkin, like, wins the title and takes it home. And then, like, Elias and Drew McIntyre try to break into his house to get the title, right? But then, of course, there's all kinds of uh, McAllister shenanigans there. And, oh, that could work. Oh, man. I would love that. Right. How many – okay, okay, here's a question for you. How many celebrity stars on the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox get a shot at that title <laughs> throughout man. the night? Yeah, man. Uh, that's that's true. Matt, I, look, if Matthew McConaughey shows up again, strap him, right? You know? John Stewart's there. Seems like a prime target for for a WWE 24-7 title run, you know? I'm just saying, you know, it seemed like Fox at some point, rumors were they wanted Donald Trump for that show. President of the United States, 24-7 title. What else What else do you need in life? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that's a good <laughs> idea. All right, moving on. Dash Wilder uh, tweeted to Kathy Kelly following a WWE Now video she did talking about the new alliance between Revival and Randy Orton. Uh, he tweeted, someone let K- Queen Kath know she could be our Medusa. Uh, talking about the dangerous alliance that Paul Heyman used to be the manager for. Kathy Kelly then tweeted back, uh, Google's where to find matching zebra print tracksuits. Cool. Let's build around. I, I am totally digging Randy Orton with the revival. This is so great. Bring, I don't know if Kathy Kelly adds anything, but I would build around this. I wonder why the OC is not adding people or recruiting. That's like the whole Bullet Club thing, you know? Yeah, it is strange. You know, I, 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 some of these things, it feels like they just don't think through an idea all the way. So the OC could absolutely do something like this. But uh, I, I do like the back and forth here. And I like digging into um, history to to bring stuff back up. I think it makes the story feel more fully realized. Um, uh, the, uh, and the, from the world of the observer, they're reporting the undertaker's Madison square garden appearance was planned. It's not just being done because there are slow ticket sales for the show. Uh, but on that note, stone cold Steve Austin has been also, re- <laughs> uh, announced for WWE's return to Madison square garden, which I do believe has still not sold out, but, uh, uh. put some firepower on this one. Well, we, we swear the Undertaker is always playing. We're not worried about slow, slow ticket sales, but also what if we give you another legend to entice you to come come out and see the show? Not because ticket sales are slow, just because we want to sell out all the tickets. You uh, do you uh, do you do you see anything here with Stone Cold becoming uh, a little closer with WWE again? You know, he kind of goes in and out, but this is like, you know, we had him for the Raw reunion. Then he did that call in thing right via Skype. Now he's he's doing this. I mean. You know, is there something here? Steve Austin just looking to rekindle the relationship, maybe. 
here's the here's the way I view it, right? A lot of these guys do what feels natural, what feels right, right? I think some fans want to read into it and say it's part of a bigger plan. Oh, he's being slowly reintroduced, so that we can get him to come back and you whatever, you rehire CM Punk and we finally get the feud we've been dreaming about for years, right? Wow. I think some mind. fans see it that way. What was that? You just blew my mind. Is that what's <laughs> going on here? Anyway, That's go, right. Go ahead. But I, what I view this as is these are people in Stone Cold Steve Austin came back. Number one, he, he's promoting a new show on USA that comes right after Raw. So it makes sense that he'd want to kind of be out there in front of the fans that might want to watch that show. But number two, he comes back to the Raw reunion a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, whenever it was. And you heard him talk about that and how cool it was for him to be back there and how kind of that was a very organic and, and naturally um, enjoyable experience for him. So he's more open to making more of those kinds of appearances because he enjoyed that previous appearance. Now, I don't think Stone Cold's got some kind of big grand plan, but if he is around, you could obviously see WWE wanting to entice him with more things. So I think it opens up the door, but I don't think there's any more to read into this other than Stone Cold likes being around pro wrestling. LA Times is reporting that Inglewood, California Mayor James T. Butts Jr. confirmed on Wednesday that the city is a finalist to host WWE's WrestleMania 37 in 2021. Uh, LA Inglewood has been rumored to host an upcoming WrestleMania event for some time now due to the new 70,240-seat Los Angeles Stadium being built in Inglewood's Hollywood Park. Now, at WrestleVotes is also noting Las Vegas is a finalist. So just a little update there. Looks like we'll go to LA or Vegas, uh, some place over on the... Uh, West Coast uh, in 2021 for WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, so, you know, L- L.A. Um, obviously makes a lot of sense. They love their big cities like that. They consider themselves a very Hollywood kind of company. They've been balancing back and forth between West Coast and East Coast sometimes for WrestleMania versus SummerSlam. So you would want to see that shift kind of back to the East Coast again when they were doing New York and Brooklyn for a while. So maybe that happens in a few years. But more interesting here, Las Vegas, I don't see that happening unless somebody just really got pissed off at AEW and said, well, they drew a show there. Let's see if we can outdraw them by 60,000 people. Well, wait, right? wait, so. wait. T- time out, time out. I think that Vegas, aren't they getting a football team? Is, aren't they building some huge, like, football stadium in Vegas right now? It's like the, the owners, the, the guys that had UFC when they sold UFC uh, to WMG, IMG. Yeah, the uh, Dana's partners. Anyway. Yeah, they are. You're right. The Allegiant Stadium. And so this is now now in all seriousness, I make the joke about AW here, but a great point, Nick, because WWE and WrestleMania have been used to test out new stadiums and they've been used to do that in advance of Super Bowl's coming there, right? Yeah. So you see when they kind of went out to the West Coast, they were one of the first ones out there in San Francisco or um, wherever for that big show back at WrestleMania 31. Yeah. And then two years later, the Super Bowl came. So Maybe the same thing is happening here with this new stadium as well. Yeah, and Vegas, Vegas, uh, it would be a return for them. They've done manias there before, obviously, but uh, it's, yeah. got a, it's got a big fight feel. So it does. I, I, I don't know. I could see them in either place. Uh, Ronda- I just like the petty aspect that somebody is really pissed off at AEW for selling out a show there, and this is their Wednesday Night War revenge. Right? Congratulated Sean Spears and Peyton Royce, man. Yeah, all good, man. <laughs> all good. All good, brother. Uh, Ronda Rousey and Sonya Deville. Uh, are going to join the next season of Total Divas. Big get here, attaching Ronda to that. I love that that series. I'm, like, again into, like, trash television, so this is good for me. So uh, this is a different show than 90 Day Fiance. Is that what I'm... Yeah, and it's different than Total Bellas, too. It's Total well, Divas. It? It's the OG of <laughs> WWE women's entertainment. Before there was the women's revolution, there was Total Divas. Um, WWE is now calling Rowan Eric Rowan again. That's an update. Mm. Name change. <laughs> News you can use. Uh, it's on the website. They changed it on the website, so it's official. Uh, and uh, getting away from WWE here, we got a couple non WWE items. Uh, this is very cool 
for Impact Wrestling, Kim Sh- Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock returning to Impact at the Vegas tapings next weekend. Uh, he has tweeted out that he's on the hunt for the for Moose. Moose has tweeted out how he you know he took some shots to Ken and and you know uh, MMA. So there's already a little bit of built-in drama here on social media. But Ken Shamrock, the original uh, TNA NWA World Heavyweight Champion, very cool. I I will watch this. I like that's one of my favorite facts of trivia. I mean, this is this is a really cool get for Impact, and I think they're going to use him smartly here. It seems like one of my favorite trivia things to pull out for wrestling fans. Who was the first ever TNA champion? Ken Shamrock. It was. It was Ken Shamrock. So I agree. Impact has done very well by the talent they've had. If uh, they're happy here, Ken's happy. There's a lot that can be done with these with this guy. So uh, we'll see. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that this past Friday night's episode of Impact uh, was intended to be a backdoor pilot for a studio styled show in case they change networks and they need a second series, which is sounds very promising to me that they're at a point now where this is a, a, a conversation that came up, right? Um, where they where maybe they need this, so they're trying it out. That's good. And on that note as well, I wanted to mention also for PW Insider, Impact is going to begin covering hotel expenses for talent on the road. Uh, hotels were paid for in Mexico for the talent, also be the same in Vegas. This looks like it's going to be a new thing going forward for Impact to help ease the financial stress of the performers. Kudos to them. Great. Uh, the, these feel like three really positive impact bits of news here. They feel like business moves, right? They feel like, yeah. you know, for so long we've, we've made fun of impact wrestling. We've made fun of, but oh, we, we've held on. them accountable sure. for for kind of bad business decisions, especially during the uh, near the end of Dixie Carter's tenure with the company. Yeah. And there were some really bad business decisions that were made that hurt the company. Not creative, right? I mean, there were some bad creative decisions now, but there have been in a really good place creatively for a while, and the fans who watch that show have responded to it very positively. Yeah. I'm happy to hear them. These are the kind of moves you make in advance of becoming a bigger company. It's the kind of stuff WWE does so well on autopilot. So I like this, and I, I really do. I would love to see Impact come back with the vengeance in a way that we haven't seen in almost a decade. Yeah, man. Let's get it going. Let's get it going in here. Friday Night Wars, right? So PCO at the ROH show in Atlanta this past Saturday night uh, injured himself. He was diving to the outside of the ring. Uh, now, if you he did this spot a couple of weeks ago. Uh, or about a month or so ago, where he looks like he's going to go uh, run. You know, so when you go for a dive, right, you shoot off the ropes, and then you go and you dive on top of everybody. So he does this gimmick where he shoots towards the ropes and then dives onto nobody and crash lands on the outside because he's a crazy person. Have you seen this spot, Michael? Yeah. Okay. Dude, dude, he's a – yeah. <laughs> so PCO does this spot in Atlanta, and the overshoots the pads and goes face first into the concrete – and just rips his face up, like right over his eyebrow. It just explodes, required 17 stitches. Have you seen the photos and the video? Yes. Oh, God, it's so graphic. And he's just sitting there grinning like a madman. Yes, yeah, so I talked to PCO. He's quite proud of himself. So don't worry about PCO. He's He looks like a Frankenstein now. More like the gimmick. Like he shouldn't, don't, you should be happy about this. So. Dude is legit insane. Crazy legit. Person. Crazy. Legend. Uh, all right. Last but not least here, some good news. Forbes reporting that The Rock has topped the list of highest paid actors in the world. The great one brought in $89.4 million between June 1st and June, June 1st, 2018 and June 1st, 2019, according to Forbes. I mean, it doesn't get much better. That's like it, it does not get much sweeter than that, Michael. I tell you what, dude. I mean, you can wear a. It just shows, just goes to prove, kids. 
you too can wear a fanny pack and one day become the biggest movie star in the entire world. It is Lillian Garcia. Lillian, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Hi, Nick. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, you are not just a host of Chasing Glory, which is a great podcast. I want to get to this first. You're also a guest. This is going to drop today on the same day as your Steve Austin podcast. So you're going to get double... (laughs) You're going to get double the dose of Lillian Garcia here today if you're listening to this and Steve Austin. Um, what was it What was it like getting to chat with Steve? What was it like getting to do his podcast? Oh, man. It's always so great to get together with Steve. When he called me up, he was like, hey, do you have a few minutes to come over and, and do this podcast? I would love to have you on. I've been meaning to have you on since the Robert Union. I'm like, heck, for you, Steve, I will put everything aside. It's awesome. We, we have such a chemistry together and just been friends for for years now, um, you know, even after we left WWE, we've always stayed in touch. We lived in Marina Del Rey together for a while before I moved. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, and, and it was just so much fun getting together with him because anytime we start talking, it's like the hour just flies by and we find out things that we are talking about that we didn't even plan on. And we find out more about each other, which is great. Now, when you think about Steve, like, do you have a favorite Steve Austin story? Is there something that always makes you laugh when you think about Steve Austin? Oh, well, the beers. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) anytime I think of Steve, I think of beer. You know, it was so funny because that started back in the Attitude Era just by chance. You know, he would would always have the beer bash right after Raw would go off the air. And he would start having the cameraman or the referee or something like have a beer with him. And then I don't know how the very first one started, but I think it was just him. I don't know if I was already in there, put it that way. And it was um, him just offering me a beer and me, you know, having a beer. But the problem was at the time I was extremely allergic to beer. Oh boy! And so that's how it started where I'm like thinking to myself, what do I do? Because I really cannot drink this beer, but I don't want to say to Steve Austin, oh, I can't drink beer with you. <laughs> no way. Sure. So I go, okay, what's the solution? So that's when I started pouring it on me. Like I would just let it go out of my mouth, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then from there, he looked over, he's like, that's like the coolest thing ever. And then he started pouring it on me too. So that's how the whole thing started. Wow. That's awesome. Well, you know, it's, it was cool. I listened to your latest episode this morning uh, with the OC and, you know, it was it was interesting because you had like a different dynamic with each guy, in particular with Luke Gallows. You've known him the longest. You know, what's it been like to interview these people that you've, you've got to watch and know for so many years now? Yeah, that's what the beauty of it is. And the, the life that Chase and Glory has created that I wasn't even, um, you know, kind of like foreseeing. But I knew I wanted to do amazing stories or stories of these superstars that I've worked with for so many years. But what I didn't know is how amazing it was going to turn into and how much I would get to learn from the co-stars or I should say co-workers that I had on the show. And just bringing that to the masses has been so much fun. And this interview in particular for me was so great because you get to see the OC as like badasses in the ring and, you know, the heels and, you don't really know much about them. So for them to let loose in this interview and get to hear their life stories and the struggles they've gone through and, um, and then to the camaraderie of the three of them, like you really can feel how much of a brotherhood these three have. 
I think for me, it was one of my favorite interviews in that it really does allow you to see a different side of them that when you now see them in the ring after you hear this interview, you feel more connected. At least that's the way I felt. I would love to hear how you felt, Nick, um, not knowing them, but then hearing their story and then, you know, seeing them in the ring. It's it's interesting because you know I run Wrestling Inc. Right, I'm the managing editor, so you know we write yeah. a lot. We write a lot about. Oh, Meltzer said this. Mike Johnson said that. Right, and Orion Satin said this. You know, sometimes it's stuff we report, and you know we report it because they're reliable sources. But you always, you know, with all pro wrestling news, you know, anytime you're you're talking about things that aren't on the record, which is, by the way, thank you for coming on here and going on the record. Um, but when sure. you're when you're not reading things that are on the record, there's always kind of, you know, there's always a little suspicion to hear these guys talk about, you know, we were having these issues. We were talking about going to other companies. We were very unhappy on the road. It, you know, it created friction with AJ and I, or, or us and AJ, which I thought was interesting because it wasn't like they hated each other, but it was. You know, you get competitive in that pro wrestling space. I thought it was very interesting to hear that. And, of course, the stuff at the end, you know, where they opened up about, you know, suicide and the, the impact it had on their lives. That's some really heavy stuff. I mean, how, how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. Again, like knowing these people as well as you do and having to talk about the, these really hard issues like that. Well, that's the one thing that um, Chasing Glory has kind of synonymously been known now for is being able to talk about some of the hard issues that have happened either to the superstars themselves or to a family member or somebody, you know, a friend close to them. Um, and, and I think that's what's been the beauty of the show is talking about those hard things because guess what? Life is hard. And some things are really going to happen to you or to somebody close to you. And it's only when us, as a society are able to talk about anything and everything that we can a start feeling less alone and B start feeling like, Oh, there's solutions. And more than anything. And this is one of the reasons that I wanted to make chase and glory about the superstars, whether it's wrestling, whether it's MMA, whether it's another athlete, whether it's another entertainer um, or a wellness coach, anybody that has a platform that is able to say, Hey, look, this is what I went through and this is how I got through it. Then it, to me, it allows the fan that's listening to go, oh, wow, I thought, um, you know, Seth Rollins had it easy and all his life. Oh, my gosh, he went through this and this and this. And, oh, that gives me hope that I can get through it, too. And that's what it has become. So I applaud and thank my guests all the time for allowing uh, me to dive in and talk to them about more of the serious issues that maybe have happened in their life because it's being able – to help so many people that have said this show has saved my life because now I don't feel as alone as I was before. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, because you look at the very vibrant pro wrestling podcast landscape right now, and you have a lot of individuals who do retrospective shows. And those are very, very popular where you go back and you, you talk about what, what happened behind the scenes and all those uh, type yeah. details, but your show is a, is a popular interview show, which is really kind of outside the norm for, for people of your stature here. How much, how difficult is that for you to do all this research and, and prepare for these, especially on like a week-to-week -week basis now with the big names you're getting? Well, it is a full-time job. I mean, <laughs> I am trying to keep it all together. Thank God for my staff. <laughs> I have to thank my staff 
so much um, because they've been with me. Some of them have been with me from day one of launching Chasing Glory and have been able to help with doing some of the research or like they'll give me bullet points. And then I go in and really do some in-depth research from those, you know, bullet points or I'll add to those. Um, But I like to keep it more conversational based too, in that um, I feel like I'm a little different than other wrestling shows or any other show really um, where I kind of allow the conversation to take root and just take me in a direction where then I go, Oh wow. Like if, if he says something, for example, when Seth Rollins, you know, revealed, he goes, man, I've done hundreds of interviews and I've never revealed that I don't know my biological father. He goes, but uh, you know, I've never been given a platform of really speaking about it where I gave him that. Right. Well, when he said that, then it was like, oh, wow, okay, well, then how did that make you feel like? Did, did it make you feel like you were missing out on having, you know, your biological father or whatever? And, and then he talked about you know, how much his stepfather stepped in as his father, which, look, showed that family doesn't have to be from your blood. Family can be the people that come into your life that really support you and love you and, you know, and help you along the way. And I think that's a beautiful thing because there's so many people out there that, maybe don't have a relationship with their biological parents and feel such a uh, emptiness because of it. And so hopefully hearing from somebody like Seth that talks about that, then they'll set them free. So I let the conversation just go in a natural direction. And I think that's what's, you know, brought out the authenticity of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into doing a podcast, especially yeah. now that we're on video. Um, I think that that was important as a next step after we surpassed 100 episodes, which, by the way, I want to thank everybody for the um, 6 million downloads that we've had and the five-star rating that we have and all the reviews that have been helping the show. Um, but after we surpassed that, it was, you know, it's like you have to keep evolving. I know that it has to keep growing. And so I've been wanting it to be on, on video for so long. And I said, okay, look, we don't have – everything perfect to give a shiny product on video, but I think it's important that we just do whatever we can. And so that's what we've been doing. And sometimes look, I'm in hotel rooms. Like when I went to SummerSlam and I got a few interviews and I'm in a hotel room and I don't have any lighting in there and um, just working with what I have. But I, I think it's part of the whole tagline real and it's raw, you know, and hopefully by that it's inspiring. Right. So that's, um, that's what Chasing Glory has been. It's a culmination of the team and then the fans coming with all the, the reviews and the feedback and then interviews like this, Nick, really helped the show. So thank you. Yeah, my, my pleasure. You know, it's, it's interesting to get to pick your brain about this. You know, I love how many uh, people of your stature are moving more into kind of the, the media side of it with pro wrestling. Mark Henry was in the AEW scrums not long ago. I had Jimmy Corderas mm-hmm. in the scrums after takeover here last time. It's wonderful. You bring you guys bring a lot to the discussion here and you get great interviews because of it. And you know, with that, you have a lot that you can use to grow with. You know, obviously you have that relationship with WWE to get these talents. Uh, they just announced that they're going to be getting into the podcast game themselves. Uh, have you had any discussions about maybe growing with them in, in, on a platform like that? I'm um, no, I congratulate um WWE for that. I think they're seeing how, you know, podcasts are just growing. It's such a major thing that people are responding to. And um, and we'll see what happens. But, no, I have not had any discussions with them at all. Okay. Uh, but they've been very, very supportive of allowing me to interview uh, the superstars and the current superstars and all, which has been 
great for the show. And, you know, you even had Linda McMahon, I mean, uh, Stephanie McMahon on. Um, so it's, you know, they, and even Stephanie thanked me for having the show to give a platform to the superstars to, to tell their stories. So it's just a beautiful thing that's been happening with Chasing Glory. And, um, man, it just makes me feel great to know that I could leave WWE and then bring a show like this to the masses and then expand from that into even what I'm doing now with the PFL, the professional fighters league and yeah. being their new announcer for MMA. Right. And being able to bring like Randy Couture on, um, bring his story. I mean, that blew me away. Like some of the things that Randy Couture, uh, talked about and find just finding out that his, the man that he thought was his biologic father was not his biologic father, Couture, but, but he gave him his name Couture. And then he just found out through a DNA test that that's not, he's not the biological father. Wow. So, and how that's blown his mind. Right. So hearing these stories, I'm like, Whoa, this is so powerful and, and so great that people are willing to open up like that and share their stories. Um, but yeah, and then I'll bring wellness coaches on to talk about how to make your life better, whether it's fitness trainers, whether it's, you know, mentally how to make your life better or other entertainers in the field. And so it just keeps growing. Yeah. You know, and you talk about how in depth you can get with these conversations and a lot of the topics you bring up, you know, WWE has historically been pretty protective of, of what they want their talents talking about. I feel like that has loosened up a little bit, but do you ever find that there's like, you know, barriers where there's certain st topics, I guess, that you don't like to bring up on the show? No, I have been lucky enough where um, they have trusted me with the talent to be able to run these interviews. Uh, I don't have anybody there from, from the staff overseeing the interviews or them saying, hey, we got to listen to the interview first. Nothing's edited, you know. So it's, um, it's been great. But, you know, I'm very respectful, too. It's not like I'm going to sit there. I, I'm not into bashing anything, you know. But yeah. you'll hear. I mean, you honestly hear, even when the OC, I thought, I thought it was important because AJ Styles is, you know, on such a climb. He's getting these titles. He's getting the cover of the video game, all of these things. Yet Luke and Carl are, you know, off TV and they're not doing anything. And that's why they said, and I want to make it clear, they didn't say they were upset with AJ at all. They said that they didn't hang out with AJ that much because, they didn't want to bring him down right. because they weren't doing well. Right. So when they're not doing well, they're like, well, we just, we knew that we didn't feel like uh, we, we wanted to bring AJ and in, into our misery. <laughs> we wanted him to be able to, you know, um, to, to celebrate what he was doing. But then AJ, because he brought these guys in, he feels like, you know, the big brother or something. And so he's still, even though he's gaining all these things, at the same time, it's kind of bittersweet because he's still feeling for them. So it's, again, it's listening to the struggle that people think that AJ's on cloud nine and all this and not, you know, not understanding that he's feeling responsible for Luke and Carl, but them now being able to talk about it. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, you're such a great conversationalist. You know, for years, a lot of people knew you as the ring announcer. And, and even as a singer, it's, you know, it's just you. You know, it's kind of monologues, individual pieces. Yeah. But the women have started to make their way to the commentary desk. we got Renee Young. Beth Phoenix is over on NXT. I mean, have you ever had any interest in, yeah. in bringing your verbal skills to, to something like that? Oh, my God. The commentary? Um, <laughs> you know what? 
that is a whole skill on its own, man. I actually, when I auditioned for WWE initially, I remember they threw me into the commentary booth. Oh, boy. Um, just to see what I could do. Yeah, but here's the thing. I had watched as a kid. So I knew who Ric Flair was. I knew, you know, some of the older um, wrestlers, but I didn't know when I got in there, I didn't know who the Rock, Stone Cold, DX, any of those guys were because I was going through college um, right before that. And, and I just fell out of wrestling during that time. So when they put me in that commentary booth and all of a sudden DX is in there, but I don't know it's DX. So I'm like, oh, wow, cool. And I don't know the name of the moves. I don't know anything. So I just remember going in there and go, oh, wow, look at that hit. Oh, ow, that must have hurt. Like, <laughs> it was bad. And I, I remember putting the headphones down. I went, well, you're definitely not going to be hiring me for this job. <laughs> you know? And um, ever since then, and I remember people were talking in your ear, because that's the thing is, like, even while you're commentating, people are talking in your ear saying, okay, we're about to go into commercial this. We're about, all right, you're going to be promoting this. So it's, it's a whole talent to be able to hear what somebody's saying at the same time you're talking. And um, I just remember that whole, I feel like it caused this phobia <laughs> where I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere near that. I feel like, yeah, that is a whole different spectrum. I, you know, till this interview, I hadn't even thought about it. And I don't ever want to say never, but man, that's a talent in itself. And kudos to Renee and to Beth for doing what they're doing. Yeah. Okay? No. It's, it's hard. It's hard. See, and this is my moment, right? It's like you've done 100 interviews now, and I got my moment here with you talking about commentary. Yeah. You haven't talked about it before. Yeah. Wonderful. And I haven't talked about commentary, so there you go. <laughs> okay, good. They, you <laughs> but know, I love uh, that women are stepping up and doing more of that. I love that now there's. Um, you know, it used to be just Howard Finkel, Tony Chimmel, and myself as the announcers. Yeah. And so now that there's, you know, so many women announcers, so many women backstage interviewers, you know, we've got the commentators. We, we got them in different types of broadcasting roles. I love it. Yeah. So you know, proud. Yeah. What, what do you, well, first of all, uh, I'm sure your failed commentary tape is probably somewhere. They, they've got to have a copy of it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny to hear. <laughs> if anybody wants to go find the Tom McGee tape of uh, Lillian Garcia's WWE career. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, with the, with the, what you're talking about with the women's revolution and everything, it's obviously been very powerful here the past couple of years, but it happened kind of like just after you had left the company, you know? Like, why do you think that? You know, there were as many hurdles in place for the women in WWE as there were when you were there as opposed to, to now. Well, yeah, look, the name says it all. Evolution, right? It's like, like I said, even the evolution of my show it was on audio first. Now we're going to video. We didn't start in video at the beginning. Yeah. We had to take baby steps to get to that form. And even the video, more and more, it's going to get better and better. The lighting will get, you know, whatever. And sometimes maybe I'll just want to keep it raw, you know. But... I just think that the the way the world was at the time, we have to remember that things are always at the time, and we evolve as a as a culture. Um, and at the time, you know, bra and panties matches were fine, and bikini matches were fine and known, and and mud matches and all of that. But these girls, even though they were doing that, they were like, all right. We got to do this. Well, we're going to make this the best it can be. Mm-hmm. And it was because of that that they started noticing the fans first. Remember that whole um, hashtag that started. The fans really started noticing why wow, these girls are actually really good. If they got an opportunity to do something outside of the bikini matches, why wow, it'd be interesting to see what they could do. Now the women of today, what they've done is they've gotten the opportunity and then they have run with it. Like 
full blast and have been able to prove that, yes, they deserve the spot because some people can get an opportunity, but then they go to prove it and they fall flat on their face. And that's not what's happened. And that's why it's been so successful is because they got it and they show that, yes, we belong in a Royal Rumble match. Yes, we belong in a ladder match. Yes, we belong in an elimination chamber match. But it was the evolution of even the women that were in the bra and panties matches that did so good. Even in those matches, you saw some really good moves and really good entertainment that started to open up the eyes of people and, and it evolved into what it is today. Well said. Uh, Lily, I want to thank you so much for the time here today to chat about uh, Chasing Glory, your appearance on Steve Austin's podcast. You're doing uh, Professional Fighters League. You've got music. You're just doing like a million things yes. right now, Lillian. Um, oh, I'm so excited to announce, uh, too, if, if you haven't heard, like Josiah Williams, who's now at NXT, he's uh, not a wrestler, but he's, you know, working with them on the broadcasting uh, side of things. He and I are doing an EP together. So right now you can get our new single, which is called Now. And that's, um, it's on, either on Spotify or wherever you get your music. But it is all about, if, if any of you are out there looking for an incentive to how to get your life together and how to get into action now, that's what the song is all about, is inspiring you to, to make a move. Cool. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up, Lillian? Yeah, absolutely. So the Professional Fighters League, we're going into the playoffs. It's going to be at Mandalay Bay. It starts October the 11th. It's the entire month of October. And so there's six divisions that are going for a million dollars in each division. And so the playoffs, uh, uh, yeah, they're all in October. And then the champion, that's on ESPN. And then the championship is on New Year's Eve, uh, Madison Square Garden. And that's also on ESPN. And that's where they're going to give away the million dollars in each category. It's just, it's so much fun. You can follow the bracket so easy. And if you want to get caught up right now, you can just go to pflmma.com and it gives you all the information there and how to catch up. So when you start watching the fights in, uh, in October, you can start knowing who to pull for. Here on Moosick, Pennsylvania for WrestlingInc.com, Andy Malnowski with Rhino here for this big event up here at PNC Park. And Rhino, just talk about tonight. I mean, this was an awesome event, seeing so many guys on the card that you probably haven't seen in a while, but also some yeah. you've seen quite bad. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen guys like Goldust and uh, John Moxley and, you know, in a few months. And uh, it's good to see them again. And uh, a lot of the faces that I've seen on the indies over the years and, just to see them and catch up and you know it's really exciting and the wrestling fans whether it's in uh, Connecticut or Pennsylvania they're I mean they're a lively bunch and you know and <laughs> it's me. just some familiar faces you see out in the crowd and you know with the meet and greet you know you get to have a, a more of a personal relationship with them yeah. you know because you whether it's you know a couple uh, sentences you share or something you know it's just you're you're more um, uh, you have that uh, that experience you know there's no barrier in between you know where it's like they can't get to you you know to ask you questions or whatever so right. meet and greets are always nice yeah and it looked like uh, you were pretty busy out there signing autographs taking pictures which is awesome and uh, gotta ask you right now where did the name Rhino where did it start where did it originate um, actually, uh, I, probably the English language back when they discovered the <laughs> animal, yeah, the rhinoceros. The um, actually, uh, um, I remember D'Lo Brown coming up to me in a show in Detroit, but I heard Reckless Youth, um, <laughs> Edge and Christian were on the show, 
but I think Reckless um, was the first one to actually say it or something like that. Mm. So yeah, I'll give him credit. Yeah, it's yeah. stuck ever since. Yeah, right? <laughs> I came up with it. Yeah, he did. He the did. Spelling too. Yeah. Actually, the, the R H Y N O came from uh, Joe Legend. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, when we were over in uh, when I signed with WWE, they go, we can't, uh, we can't use that. And uh, they go trademark, and I'm like, no, there's no. no I think they just want. Well, I think they wanted to, um, uh, you know, come up with a different name, you know, to make it their own. And mm -hmm. and I go, and I told Joe that, and he goes, why don't they just use a Y? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, That's I'll pitch cool. it. Yeah. So after about five weeks, they go, yeah, you, your name's Rhino with a Y. You're starting tonight. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> so. And it's stuck ever since. And right. You mentioned Edge and Christian. And we talked about it earlier tonight out there uh, amongst the fans. You know, one of the things I was going to say is, what about this driving over the ice you guys did back oh, yeah. in the indie scene? <laughs> what happened there? That really happened. You guys driving yeah, on the lakes? Yeah. Well, uh, frozen, uh, the frozen roads um, up in Manitoba, uh, north of Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, like ice road truckers. And <laughs> it was uh, something that fell through. And, you know, and then uh, long story short, our van was going to go through and, <laughs> Uh, Edge did have to come and get me, but I wasn't crying. I was very concerned. Set the record straight, right? Yeah, I was not crying. I was actually very concerned. I thought we were all going to die that night, you know. And uh, it was it was very concerning, you know. So I'm like, get away from the van, everybody. <laughs> like, I was on land. I was up a little bit. Go. I could see that van sinking. <laughs> yeah, the water coming up. It was it was pretty scary. Yeah. Five o'clock in the morning, you don't want to be woken up, you know. Adam put, Edge putting his hand across my check as he hits the brakes, going, oh, wow, look at that big hole in the ice. Yeah. Oh, so. man, well, you're here at Safe and Sound, right, right, right. here at Moosing PA for Wrestling.com. And, you know, what's new now? Uh, Impact Wrestling is certainly right. on the docket right now. Uh, just tell me about that. Your, your WWE run uh, came to a close uh, for yeah. you. Uh, just tell us about that. Um, you know, it was a great experience it, uh, with WWE. They treated me great. Um, I enjoyed wrestling with Slater, tagging with Slater, traveling with Slater. He's got kids, and uh, you know, I, I um, we talked about re-signing. They offered me more than double uh, my uh, what I was making, um, way more than double, and I just didn't want to, um, uh, you know, because there's a lot of men and women there. My job is to try to help uh, the younger talent out um, and try to discover guys like The Rock, uh, the next Rock and right. the next Stone Cold and all that. And I think I can uh, service the wrestling business more on a uh, level like um, Impact Wrestling mm -hmm. and on the independent scene too, you know. So it, it's very important for um, guys that have been wrestling for so many years to help out the younger generation because the guys that came before me helped me out a lot, you know, yeah. or helped myself and guys like Edgy Christian and The Rock, you know, like uh, Pat Patterson really helped The Rock and, yeah. you know, so. You know, it's what you say, you know, in wrestling, especially in anything in life, you can't teach experience. You simply have to go through it right, right. To, to help pass it on. And uh, some of the other ventures you're involved in, uh, a nice boatyard now, oh, which is yeah, pretty cool, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I, a lot of people don't know my passion was, uh, you know, has always been boating. And, uh, yeah, so just uh, I sold my house. I stayed on my boat for a summer. I always wanted to do it. And I'm like, I'm not getting any younger before I, you know, get hitched again and, you know, some woman goes, oh, why do you need to live on a boat? You know? <laughs> Boy, they like to say that, right? Yeah. These wives and stuff, right. you know? 
Are you married? I am. Well, I you am. agreed with me. You shouldn't have said well, that. Well, actually, <laughs> or your wife don't watch well, it. My wife will be watching this, okay, so yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, you don't. You don't agree with me, right? <laughs> no. Your wife never nags to take out the garbage or whatever. No, but it, it's one of those things. that, you know, I wanted to do it, and then I just was looking up marinas for sale, and this one was, you know, there, and the price was right, and uh, you know, so it was. It was good. It, so far, so good. Yeah, so. it's been a special run for you in wrestling. One big question I wanted to ask. I mean. Uh -huh. Tell us that experience, the original ECW, but to be the final original champion, I mean, I used to watch you putting people through tables and those spears and those gores, man. Yeah. There was nothing like it. Yeah, well, it was very, uh, uh, you know, a lot of fans really enjoy that, and um, they want to see that rhino uh, again, and, you know, this run, that's what I'm giving them. Um, in fact, they just go, all right, here's a microphone or here's a camera, you know, just you be you and cuss. I'm like, you want me to cuss? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. And you're going to pay me? But, uh, yeah, so they're just like, you know, just let us have it like he gave it to us before. And a lot of fans really like that. And especially I'm able to work with guys like Tommy Dreamer again and Rob Van Dam and, you know, like Moose, you know, a lot of younger talent like Michael Elgin and, uh, you know, Tessa Blanchard. I mean, wow. He's just yeah. Sam. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Callahan. I mean, it's just uh, you've got so many talented men and women there, and it's just it's fun to be in that locker room too. You know, every locker room I've been in, you know, I've always had a lot of fun, and you know, a lot of people have uh, they 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 um, they respect me and my work. You know, so a lot of the boys, so it's really cool, and you know, so but this locker room is pretty special too. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little smaller, you know. So it is. It, yeah. You know, I always I talked to Mikey Whipwreck last year about oh, yeah. some of the craziest ECW moments, and he said, "Well, what can I say on camera that right. I without getting in trouble?" <laughs> That's right. what he told me. And uh, but what can you tell us on camera, craziest ECW moment that you ever saw? Oh, jeez, I don't think I can say anything on camera. <laughs> um, just the the insanity, just with the fans, the passion. Um, you know, just the, the boys, you know, the boys were the boys, you know, back in every locker room. It, it was the 90s, you know. <laughs> I love it. That's all I have to say. It was the 90s. Things were a lot different. It, yeah. Things flowed a lot freer back then. Yeah. I love so. it. Well, Rado, uh, final question from us. Um, you know, where do things go from here? Like you said, you kind of hit it already. You want to help the future, help the industry. And it also, too, uh, advice to the younger guys and the ladies of the industry of like what you need to do to succeed in the industry. First, you got to make your bed when you wake up every morning. <laughs> you're laughing, but your wife would probably agree with I me. Do. I do. Uh, do you? Yeah, I do. Well, I, I, I tell the younger guys, you got to start your day off with discipline. And worst case scenario, if you don't get anything done or accomplished throughout the day, you at least come home to a nicely made bed. You know, nothing better than climbing into a nicely made bed. But I try to teach people discipline, you know, because if you start your day off with discipline, you're gonna be more disciplined. Going to the gym, um, getting your meals in, uh, it, it sending out the, the uh, you know, the information to get booked and all that stuff, you know, um, keeping a log on your booking so you're not double booking yourself and just in life, you know, and, and, and to make it in this uh, business or any business, have to be very disciplined, you know, and, and I don't want to discourage anybody because you have it within, you know, you're going to get up and go to work 40 hours a week someplace, you might as well get up and, you know, do the things that are going to make you happy. And right. I mean, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the money will follow. So, right. yeah, just discipline. Excellent. Well, right. I say thank you so much. Any final messages for anybody out there? Watch this on WrestlingInc.com. Yeah, just make your f***ing bet. <laughs>
Thank you very much to Lillian Garcia. Thank you to Rhino. Andy Malnoski, you're wonderful. Thank you for going out uh, and getting that interview with Rhino. We'll have more interviews with from Andy Melnoski and the gathering coming out in the next uh, week or so. So please be, be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, Michael, I want to thank you very much for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. And if you guys enjoyed the show today, go over to the Wrestling Inc. iTunes audio channel on iTunes. No, wait, it's the Wrestling Inc. audio channel on iTunes. I got it right. Nice. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Landed it. Now, uh, it's great. Go over there. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a comment. Now, if you if you like the show, and I see you guys tweet me uh, from time to time here, and you say, oh, I love the show. I thought that the Winkley's great. Hey, just copy-paste that tweet. Go over to the iTunes page and paste it into the comment section. That stuff really helps us out, helps the show grow, stay alive, help new people find it. So I encourage you to go out and do that. Tomorrow's going to be another banger of a show, Michael. Uh, I'm going to have Justin Labar here. Uh, also, I'm going to have my interview I did with Shane Douglas. That'll air tomorrow. And our good friend uh, Scott Fishman went out and interviewed Fight TV's Michael Weber. Um, and, of course, Fight TV has been the, the center of a lot of speculation recently. What's going on with Fight and WWE? Is anything going on with Fight and WWE? So we're going to have that for you tomorrow here on the show. Also, I wanted to go out of my way to say to Michael Weber, happy birthday. Today is Michael's birthday. You can hear him tomorrow. Uh, all right, Michael, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Got a little article in the queue. Don't know when it will go live, but keep an eye on Wrestling Inc. and on my Twitter at The Real Wiseman. I am exploring the idea of, you know, CM Punk coming back into the fold for StarCast to sign some interviews this coming weekend. But here in 2019, many years after he has walked away from the business, does professional wrestling still need CM Punk? So I take that idea and kind of run with it and see how the business has changed and kind of what he meant to the business when he was there. And does that still play here in 2019? There you go. All right. I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>